This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pots to attract and retain real A players. Join us where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. Welcome back to another episode. I am super excited about today's guest. In fact, I already know we're in for a real treat today. He's the CEO of Tell Me Your Dreams, and he focuses on working with companies and leaders to make sure that the employees are engaged and that they love their job. In fact, he has what he calls a culture design firm. Seth Godin's called his writing a precious gift, and he even serves on Donald Miller's StoryBrand facilitator team. If you've heard us talk about StoryBrand before, it's come up a few times. Great, great process for helping you communicate your message to the right people. But you see, Dane and I, we have something in common. We both love pouring into people and helping people become engaged. Dane's taught leadership and character development at Westmount College. He's led development efforts for academic centers at Biola University. He just goes on and on. The resume for this guy is incredible. But you know what? I want to jump right into the episode. And I want to hear from Dane how he got to where he's at. I want everyone to welcome to the show today, Dane Sanders. CEO of Tell Me Your Dreams. Well, hey, Dane, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ryan. Great to be here. I am so excited about this. We've met a couple of times. We've chatted a couple of times. I think that our conversations need to get in front of our listeners because I feel like I learned so much in just spending a few minutes with you. I know this is going to be an amazing episode. Yeah, the feeling's mutual, man. I My sense is that if we could somehow like Wonder Twin Powers activate form of something powerful, we'd do some damage. So let's get into it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I asked the same question to everybody on the show because I think that for so many business owners, there are a lot of things that we start to believe that aren't true. Rules that we create for ourselves, rules that others have created for us. In the work that you do, what do you think is the biggest myth? When I think about the human condition and how people are wired, just out of the box, how people are wired, it's normal for people to wake up and see themselves as the hero of their own story, right? We all wake up and we go, what's going on for me today? And it's natural. When those people who wake up like that and they go and they lead their organizations, they're tempted to think that because they're passionate about their work, their people should be just as passionate as they are. It's not a conscious belief. Sometimes people expect it because they're paying them a lot of money. But really, there's this, just the sense of like, I am so excited about what I'm doing. Why are these people not as excited? And, and the reason is because those same people woke up that morning and thought they were the hero of the story. And now we have two heroes in the story. That's the problem. It's not a very interesting story now. And we're competing. I think when people can figure out some alternative roles to the story, the story gets way more interesting. And what's unique about the business owner, the leader, is the leader has a role available to them that their employees just don't have. And when they can tap into that, when they can decide to be the guide in the relationship, everything changes. Wow, there's some Donald Miller stuff in there. And uh, sure is. I heard that. You know, it's, it's interesting. I hear a lot of people tell me, oh, I just can't get my people to care. I'm sure you've got some ways to help solve that and get them excited. But easiest things to forget is that we hire people. And They've got hopes, goals, dreams, frustrations, problems, drama. They've got all of it they're dealing with. And if you forget that they've got a personal life to go home to that may not be perfect, and you don't care about that stuff, how can you ever expect them to care about your business? I'm glad you mentioned Don because Don's a good friend and we've done a lot of work together over the years. His contribution to my own 
take on life is kind of amazing. In fact, let me back up just for a second. I'll give you a quick kind of snapshot of kind of what got me to today. When I was an undergrad in college, I studied marketing. And at the end of my marketing degree, I felt like I had learned how to manipulate people to buy things they didn't want or need. And I thought, that's gross. I don't like that right now. So what am I going to do? So I go to grad school and I study philosophy. I study philosophy, virtue ethics, really. How do you be a good person? Can you have a good life? Is that even possible? Really, I was just running away from marketing. <laughs> that's really what I was doing. But if you know anybody who's graduated from grad school of philosophy, uh, that you know they're unemployed or they're teachers. And I decided to become a teacher. I was lucky enough to do that. And I'm teaching leadership and character development at this liberal arts college up in Santa Barbara, California. And I read this book by Donald Miller called Blue Like Jazz. And this is a million years ago. This is a New York Times bestselling memoir. It was incredible. I made a movie about it. And Don wrote a little chapter about this guy named Greg Spencer. Greg was a colleague of mine at Westmont. And I basically kind of worked my magic to try to get Don to come to campus to talk to my students. That's how I met Don 20 years ago. Since then, Don really introduced me to the profound nature of story and how story is so deeply built into our guts, into our DNA. It's the human language. It's, our, it's how we make sense of the world. And that can be for good and it can be for not. And I think that those ideas, just thinking like, what story are you living into? What story are your people living into? They're in a story. And if you can help them upgrade their stories, everything transforms. Even me with my marketing thing, the other guy that I met around that time was a guy named Seth Godin, who you both, you and I both know. And Seth, first professionally and then more personally, he enrolled me in the idea that you could do marketing different. That actually, I'm a fan of marketing and I love marketing now. I think it's amazing. But it wouldn't have happened if someone didn't choose volitionally to be a guide in my life, to kind of invite me into a bigger story than I was living. I was looking for hacks and shortcuts to everything. And Seth came along and said, slow this train down. You can actually get exactly where you want to go way faster, just doing things one day at a time, one foot in front of the other, but do the right things in the right way, in the right timing for the right reason. And you will see something change in your people, just like Seth did in me. So I, th I think really that's what we're talking about, right? Is how do we upgrade people's lives because of the position we hold as leaders, but we do it in a way that is going to serve you and your company, but that's not the first benefactor. The first benefactor are the humans we're called to steward and lead well in these seasons. There's just so much to unpack in just the, your story of how you got to where you're at. I love how you started with the marketing route, which at the end of the day, this is what I believe. Everything we do is marketing. That's one of the big shifts in the way we recruit is we help people understand that recruiting is a marketing activity. And they forget that. They think, oh, I write a job ad, I give it to HR and they take care of it. And it's very sterile and cold. And it's okay if we hurt people we don't know. And that's the way it is. And it's not that that's the right way to do it or there's a law that says that's how it has to be done. It's just the way it's been done because I think most people don't like to recruit. They don't like to grow their companies on the people side. They do it because they have other goals in mind. So what do you think? I mean, you had so much in there, but what do you think is really holding people back? I mean, it sounds like you had a lot to learn. You went on your own journey. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are like, I don't have 20 years to figure it all out. What's holding them back and keeping from getting their people engaged and having these kinds of conversations with their people? Well, first is what you just said. It's not having a transactional relationship with your people, but a human relationship with your people. If you look at them as human beings, just like you described with real lives, real challenges, the universal is everybody struggles and suffers. Even like, if you think about like, why do people quit their job? Nobody quits their job because they didn't like the company. They quit their job because they didn't like their supervisor. They didn't like the person they were working with. 
And if you can actually be the kind of where you treat them like a human being, it's amazing how much they will respond. So just leading with, gosh, I wonder what these people are getting are up against, getting curious about their real lives, having a coffee. Like, let's say you have 50 employees. Well, have one coffee a week for a year and everyone will feel like a million bucks because the boss actually cared enough to say, hey, what are you doing? The company we run is called Tell Me Your Dreams. The reason we call it that, it's a horrible name for a company probably, but it's because what we do is we say, look, if you're going to do one thing, even if you don't hire us, just sit with your people and say, tell me your dreams. What do you want in life? What do you want? The reason you want to talk about dreams and not about what do you want directly is because they'll say, well, I want to raise. Or No, 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 no. Let's get big picture here. Like if you had the race, if you had things going your way, if you could wave a magic wand in your life, what would happen? What is your dream? And then people can internalize that the woman or man who's leading this place cares enough about little old me to care about my dreams, that they think about me more than just how I can serve them. Everything transforms, a motivation arrives. The way we say it is if you invite dreams, you discover drive. And a whole new world opens up in terms of people's outlook at work. I love that. I can see a bumper sticker that says, invite dreams, discover drives. <laughs> I could just a little plaque when you walk into the office or something. I love that. And it's true. I mean, it's, again, it's human. Everyone wants to get after it with their lives. If someone's working in a job that they didn't have when they were kids, go, like in their mind going like, I can't wait. Like, you know, everyone want to be a fireman and they want to be a cop. They wanted to be a astronaut. They wanted to be whatever. Then they, they grow up and they're, let's say they're in a role or a job that they never, or even industry that they never would have thought about. Happens all the time. That's most of the world. And if you don't invite meaning into those roles, and this is how you do it. You talk about their aspirations. You talk about what they care about. At least as much as you want them to be thinking about your company's mission statement. Care about their dream statement, what they want. And things open up. It's just natural. It's human. It doesn't require heavy lifting. There's no brain damage required, except you got to care. You actually got to care about these people. Actually care. Like, give a rip. If that's all that shifted for most people, like you really said, I'm going to choose to care for one employee a day differently than they're expecting, a whole new world will open up. I love all of that. I agree with everything you just said, but I know there are people listening to this right now going, Dane, I've sat down and I've, I've talked to my people about what they want out of life and they give me a, oh, kind of answer or they give me something that just doesn't feel like really thought through and my people don't care. Like I can see people listening to this and thinking they don't care that I would care about their dreams. Help me overcome that objection. Well, first of all, if that happens, you are in good luck. Because what that means is, it's not that your people don't care, it's your people have never been asked the question. This is their first rep at answering what they should do. In fact, most people, if you ask them what their dreams are, they're like, uh, I, uh, lose weight. They don't know. They're dream deprived. They've been in survival mode their whole lives. So it's going to take a couple reps for them to figure out what they want. And if you can be the one that helped them figure it out, now you're like Yoda. You're like the person that opened up vision for their future. So if they don't have an answer, just assume that they do. They just don't know it yet. And they're going to credit you as the person who helped them figure it out. So you get curious with them. Like you say, this is what I do with my kids all the time. Like I'll say, you know, what's the answer to some question there? And the answer that every teenager says is, I don't know. And then I say, well, if you did know, what would you know? And they always have an answer. They always have an answer. So you're just inviting, that's just the first line of defense. Like, do you really care when you ask this question? And if you can get through that line of defense, now you're actually entering into the space of, of real connection with your people 
but don't get thrown off by that that easy distraction. It's it's really an invitation to go deeper and to take your time. There's no rush in these conversations. Something I've learned as I've, I've grown up professionally is, you know, as a child, I, I had lots of big dreams, wanted to be an astronaut, wanted to do this, wanted to do that. And somewhere along the line, it was probably a school guidance counselor that said, stop it. You need to get a job. You got bills to pay. Be realistic. And I look back now and I don't I don't know who it was that would have done that. But I promise you there was people that said, no, that that's not dreaming big is not doesn't make sense, doesn't put food on the table. It doesn't do these things. And I think part of it, too, might be that people were told to stop dreaming. There's no doubt. And it's a tragedy. And the guidance counselor's hearts, right? Like they were trying to help. They're not evil people, but they were answering a different kind of question. The question about dreaming isn't real. Like if I'm dreaming about being an astronaut, I'm not thinking about how I'm going to eat dinner tonight. Those are two different conversations. One's a 20 or 30 year conversation. And one's a 20 or 30 minute conversation. I got to get the the right wavelength for the kind of conversation I'm in. So I think, wouldn't it have been great if your guidance counselor had said, hey, here's the deal. There's two things you need to care about in life. One is today and one is tomorrow. And tomorrow is the dream question. And today is how are you going to get that girl to go out with you on Friday, go out with you on Friday night? Or like, what job do you want in life? How are you going to take your next step? But if all we do is serve the short term and we never get to the long term, to our future self, we're robbing ourselves. We wake up 20, 30 years later and go, how did I get here? I dreamt of something bigger and I forgot. And some people, when they're, they're listening to this and they're, they're actually remembering, and that's actually amazing because there's still so much time. It's not too late. Even if you're the leader and you kind of parked your dreams back in you know 12th grade, get back to it. There's gold in those hills. And what's tragic is people don't, they kind of blow it off. They have time left, but they don't take advantage of that time. And it's amazing how quickly things can turn once you get clear and committed. Wow, that was incredibly impactful for me personally. And I'm sure there are people listening right now having the same thing going, well, if I don't dream, probably really tough for me to help others figure out their dreams. Like That's what I heard you say. I know you didn't say that. <laughs> but I'm like, wow, at some point, maybe I'm not dreaming big enough. So it's hard for me to lead others towards their dreams. And this happens all the time. We'll come and work with organizations and the organizational leader is excited to bring us in to help work with their employees. They want to help their employees love their job. If they love their job. They're going to stick around longer. They're going to engage more. You're going to become famous, become a talent magnet for other people to come work there. All those things are great. But somewhere along the line, the leader, if they're tuning in, and usually what happens is they'll be there for the intro when I'm giving, let's say I'm giving a series of talks or something. Uh, they'll come for the first one to introduce me. And you know they're getting credit for bringing us in. And it's awesome. Good for him or her. And 10 minutes in, they're still in the room. They got a meeting, but they'll get to it in just a second. And that's good news, right? That means like they're not there now just because they're serving their people. They're there for themselves, which I think is good news. It's an invitation for people to just to treat themselves like humans too, while they're taking responsibility for the leadership roles they hold. I feel like there's so much information you just shared in the last 10 minutes. I feel like we've already been on the show for an hour. So many thoughts, so many directions. I love this because what I heard you say was, if we want to get our people dreaming and get them engaged and get them to really care about the business, we have to do the same thing ourselves as leaders. Whether that means that we need to have a mentor that's saying, hey, what are your dreams? Or we need to learn how to hold ourselves accountable to make that happen, which I'm sure you know, but I've heard many times that the hardest person to hold accountable is yourself. There's just so much opportunity. This, this is kind of an un, unpopular belief. I actually don't think we can even hold each other accountable. I actually think what we need is more of a sense of a space to account. 
let me explain what I mean. When I own me accounting for me, this happens all the time. We run, I, you and I off air, we're talking about this fun project I run called Men and Women of Discomfort. And we get together and we do wacky things for 90 days. People work out six days a week and they intermittent fast. And they, well, they basically do everything we tell them. We, they make one choice to opt out of their choices and we choose everything for them for 90 days. When to eat, when to sleep, what to eat, what to drink, when to get in cold water, cold showers, when to hold their breath, when to do anonymous good deeds for others, when to meditate. We do all these fun things, super fun. And our tagline is, it's probably not for you. It's a, for a reason. It's because it's, it's the kind of thing where people say they're, they're so happy they've done these kinds of things, but it's very difficult to volitionally say, I'm going to put myself on the hook like this. But, but those who do have these radical transformations, super cool. But inevitably, people come in, especially at the beginning, and they say, oh, man, I'm so excited. This is a place you guys are going to keep me accountable. And I'm like, we got to stop this cancer right out of the gate. No one's going to hold you accountable. Because you know what? If we're the ones holding you accountable, who's responsible? If you fail in this program, who's responsible? You're going to make me responsible? We're not responsible. You're responsible. And you know what else? If you succeed in this program, it's not because we did anything. It's because you did something. You showed up for you in your life. It is the hardest thing to take account for ourselves, but it's actually the only thing that makes the difference. If I don't have someone in my life that I'm willing to say out loud, I said I was going to do this and I broke my commitment, or I said I was going to do this and I made it, I'm accounting. That's the way where people, they start living more authentically. They're more real and they're showing up differently in their lives. And as a result, they get the benefits. They look like superheroes, their capacity to do things because they can do hard things when everyone else around them, they kind of crumble when it gets difficult. We don't need that in leaders right now. We need leaders who can stand up when we need them to. There's one thing that I've learned in the last decade or so, being an entrepreneur, number one, is we are capable of so much more than we give ourselves credit for. And I'm not just talking about, oh, I can go make more money or I can go get a better job. It's amazing what the human being, the human body can do when the rules are gone. We talked a little bit about that in the beginning, right? We talked a little bit about fire too, all these rules we apply for ourselves. And we can't say that, we can't do that. We have all these rules that society has created for us, like air quotes created for us that we believe to be true. And those rules are really, I think the number one thing that holds a lot of us back. Well, even what you spoke about earlier with the guidance counselor, it's almost a rule, could be a rule. It almost might be an agreement, right? So the metaphorical guidance counselor, whoever he or she is, said that to you, you could make agreement with like, oh, that's the limit. I remember when I was a kid, my mom, I was working on something and she said, oh, my legal name was Dana. So my mom would say, hey, Dana, you're just not very mechanical. So I just made agreement with my mom that I don't know how to put things together until I turned like 25 or 30 and went, well, what if that wasn't true? What if there was more available? <laughs> I started making crap and it started working. And all of a sudden I could tell myself a new story. And this is what I mean when I say, tell yourself a bigger story. It's, it's interrupting those agreements, those rules, those limiting beliefs in our lives so that we can get after things that we actually thought were impossible. They just weren't tried yet with any kind of effort. Of course you might fail. Of course you might fail. If you don't run that risk, if everything's a sure thing, talk about a boring existence. We're not going anywhere. We're just kind of stuck in a, in a rut. There's the stories that we started with, the stories that others are telling, the stories that we're creating, but now we're talking about the stories we tell ourselves. Yes, right. <laughs> a lot of story going on here. And that, I agree with you. I mean, if we go back to before there was writing, how did human beings communicate? Through story. I mean, it's the oldest way of communicating with people and it still is relevant today. And 
that's why marketing is such, you know, so popular right now. Everybody's got a story to tell and we just got to figure out how to tell the right story to the right people at the right time. It's so empowering when you hear a story that calls us up to life. There's conversations I'm in a lot of times where people think people are getting called out. I don't think we need quite as many call outs. What we need is call ups, these kind of invitations to occupy the space in our lives in a more full way. I know right now there are listeners right now who are hearing these words and there's something kind of tingling in their guts about what if me, what if I actually took a, a bigger risk on me? What if I was willing to put myself on the hook to get after that? Could be an, an, an old practice you had or a, you've gotten a little out of shape or you know you actually haven't gone on a date with your wife in a while and you've just decided this is as good as it gets, so let's just kind of ride this one home. And what if there was actually more in particular categories, the ones that you're kind of scared to go to. And even as I'm saying this word, some of you guys who are listening are sweating just a little. If that's you, that's exactly what I'm talking to. If you're not sweating just a little, a little bit uncomfortable, you're probably missing out on a lot of gold. And I think the brave ones, the courageous ones who are noticing that and go, man, I kind of want to barf, but I'm going to go forward anyways. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to make that call. I'm going to set that appointment. I'm going to call Ryan and finally pull the trigger. If that's you, you have a little window of time to take action. And if you don't do it soon, the window will close and you know it. So if you have any kind of vision about what I'm saying, your opportunity is to do it right now. Fantastic. We go back to those analogies, right? We talk about these analogies and metaphors to help people understand where we're going. And I just think about the concept of growing pains, right? I've got little kids at home. My legs hurt because they're growing. Like growth doesn't always have to be bending over painful, but it does hurt a little bit at times. When you have a strong workout or you go on a big long hike and your muscles are sore, it's because they're growing. And not that it has to be that that painful, but I think a lot of times we know that there is pain associated with growth. Because of that, that fear kicks in. Oh, what if? And we start telling ourselves all these stories that aren't true. So as we wrap up the show here, Dane, I want to think about those people that are on the fence that are thinking, hey, I know what I need to do but I'm scared to do it because it might hurt a little bit. What do we tell them? Let me offer three things and not just for the individual, but also for the people that they're leading. So the first thing to go full circle to our conversation, it might hurt a little bit to ask a junior entry-level employee for coffee and them say no. <laughs> it might be a little awkward. It might feel like you know, you're know you not quite as relevant as they think they are, or I don't know, whatever it is. But if you just sit, decide systematically to have leadership coffees, where you know your role is to be the guide, virtual or otherwise, with every team member in this next season, and just ask them, what are your dreams? If that's your sink, that's gonna be uncomfortable. That's gonna, but I promise you that you will gain fruit from it. That's the first thing I'd say for the others that you're serving. Second, I understand it might feel vulnerable, but you wanna get to the place where you are being honest with your own dreams too, where even though you have, you have a lot on your shoulders, you're carrying a lot of weight with the organization you're leading, with the families you're leading, whatever, to find space for you to stop, to, to retreat. Maybe it's one day a week, a Sunday. In the olden days, we used to call it Sabbath. Like, take a break, stop, and think, and breathe. Have a nap first, maybe. Go for a walk. Talk to a buddy. Kind of your own dream conversation, but not with those you're leading, but with somebody that's your peer or someone who's a guide to you, and get real in those conversations. If you do that, both in directions, both in who you're leading up, calling up and calling yourself up, what you're going to do is you're going to find some freedom, 
some new vision for where you want to go. And some people, I think, just need that. And then the third thing I just say is, as you begin to identify for the people you're leading and for yourself what your dreams might be, can you get back to today and say, is there one single next step that I can make? Don't just make it conceptual. Don't just make it in their head. Like when your employee says their dream is to get out of school, out of student debt or their dream is to buy their first house or whatever, like get them to, to make a single first step. But that's not just true for them. It's true for you too. What's your single next step that you need to make? If it's not the thing that you came up with, what is it? And if it's not like you who's going to do it, who will? And if it's not now, when? Like the time is now. Life's too short. One of my best friends the earlier this year, January 1st, he's the guy that I started this Men and Women of Discomfort with. His name's Tim Kruger, 42 years old, Iron Man, stud, uh, an athlete and a curmudgeon, like the best kind of blue collar curmudgeon you could ever imagine. Like the kind of guy you, you want to hang out with. He uh, just finished a year of suffering with stomach cancer and he died. So two young boys, his wife, Jess, his birthday's coming up on August 14th. And uh, I just, I miss the, the guy so much. But I'll tell you this about Timmy Kruger. That boy lived. He understood what was at stake. He was more alive his last year of life than he was the previous 41. And you want to be like Tim Kruger. None of us are guaranteed another day, another breath. And if we're not taking advantage of the things that are in front of us right now, we're fools. We're fools. This isn't like a, wouldn't it be nice? It's like the stakes are just too high. So that's my encouragement. Care about your people. Care about yourself. Do one right next thing and do it quick because we're all on the clock. Wow. I don't know where to go from there. Dane, that was amazing. That was amazing. I just have to say, probably one of my favorite interviews. This was, um, it's incredible. Got me thinking about a lot of things too. Hey, I know there are people going, okay, Dane sounds like he knows his stuff. He's probably got other nuggets out there, other tips, other ways I can learn or even connect with you. How do people do that? First of all, thank you for saying that and uh, encouraging me. And thanks for leading, Ryan. Like I, what you are doing in this space is so profound. It's one of the reasons I was so excited to be on this on this conversation with you. You're the real deal, man. And the way you're leading, I know there are just people at home nodding their heads right now as they're listening. Like Ryan delivers over and over and over again. So thank you for leading, first of all. To answer your question, I created a website. Forgive the name. It's kind of a silly name, but it's called askdane.com. Ask Dane. It's pretty simple. Two syllables. Askdane.com. And it's basically a video walkie-talkie. So you go there, you press a button, and you say, hey, I'm Sally, I'm Fred, whatever. And just if you want to process, you want to talk, whatever, I listen, it's all private. It's just one-to-one -one conversation. It's asynchronous, so no meetings are required for you or for me. It allows me to have a lot of conversations with a lot of people. And if any of your listeners would love to debrief or chat or ask a question about telling your dreams or men and women of discomfort or any of the things we chatted about, that's probably the easiest place to go do it. So askdane.com. My last question is usually, do you have any offer or giveaway for our listeners? But you just answered them both at the same time. So I think that's an amazing offer to be able to get some some time to share with you what they're going through, what what's going on with them. And, and whether it's a quick little video chat, you can get them unstuck and help them take that next right step. Or maybe even they can learn a little bit more about the work you do at Tell Me Your Dreams or even the men and women of discomfort. I mean, both of those sound like amazing things, not only for our listeners, but probably for a lot of their employees as well to help them with their dreams. Well, thanks, Ryan. Thanks again for having me on. Thanks for being here. I've really enjoyed it. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by bluecollarculture.com. 
We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to bluecollarculture.com.